Hey there, and welcome back to the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast. My name is Michael, and I am your host. And I'm coming at you, let's see, it's late October. Um, it is crisp and cool outside, at least up here in the mountains. I know it's getting nice down in the valley too. And I hope you all are getting out and enjoying this great fall weather. Um, I was fortunate to get down to southeast Arizona for a couple days of quail hunting. Um, not a lot of numbers, uh, but but uh, I got some birds. That was pretty great. Uh, I got my, let's see, I needed, I, I got lucky earlier this year with chucker and with grouse. Then uh, on this last trip, I, I got a lucky again with uh, gambles and scales. And my final species to complete the Arizona Game and Fish Department's Ultimate Upland Challenge is going to be, hopefully, if uh, no disasters happen between now and then, a Mern's Quail coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. Been working on this thing for five years, ready to get it done, ready to start chasing some bigger animals and putting some meat in the freezer. But, oh boy, it's been fun. I highly recommend you check out that program if you uh, if you haven't already. It gives you, gives you an excuse to get out. Chase some new critters, explore some new habitat, and it is—it's a—it's a—it's a kick. I promise. Let's see. Uh, this episode of the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast uh, is about something that is very near and dear to me, and that is raising outdoorsy little children. I—I uh, I absolutely adore being a father, and me and my kids—we have all kinds of great adventures. And and I'm lucky because they enjoy it. Sometimes I gotta drag the girl along, but she always has a good time. But you're going to hear all about that in this episode, and you're not only are you going to hear about my experiences with this, but you're going to hear about it from, uh, let's see, well, I'll put it this way. If you hang out on Instagram in sporting circles, it's hunting and angling, probably already know of Tim and Wren. Um, they're kind of kind of Instagram superstars, if you, if, if you want to put it that way. But Tim is a great father, and Wren is an adorable little girl, and they go on all kinds of great hunting and angling adventures together. And there's one particular video uh, where they, they lose this this buck they were hunting, and, and Wren, the little girl, is just so upset, and she's, she's sobbing over it. Um, and it's, it's just the cutest thing you ever saw. So I'll leave a link down there below if you haven't already seen that, and I, I bet you have. I bet you'll recognize it when you see it, because it went viral. But uh, Tim's a great guy uh, with great philosophy on raising children. And boy, I think he's just doing it right. So we got all kinds of advice and tips and ideas for you. And, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you're not getting outdoors with your kids, well, hell, I don't know. That, that's why I have kids. Um, so I have little partners to play outside with. So I recommend you do. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. But before we get into it, let's do our uh, volunteer opportunities from our great conservation organizations here in Arizona. All right, we got two from the Arizona Elk Society. Uh, the first says volunteer uh, for a youth event. Uh, the Arizona Elk Society is seeking volunteers for Saturday, November 12th for Wild in the City. This is a great one day camp for kids to learn outdoor skills. This is one of the most rewarding volunteer opportunities you will find. It's about our youth and getting them active in the outdoors. I'm gonna leave a link below um, to volunteer. And for more information, it says there's going to be food and refreshments for all the volunteers, along with a volunteer shirt. If you sign up, we will be in touch with you in a couple weeks, a couple weeks in advance to, pro to provide more details and touch base. If you have questions, please feel free to email Lindsay. And oh, I don't have that email address, so I promise you I'll get you that below. Then up next, uh, again from the Arizona Elk Society, they're looking for a group of volunteers to help improve wildlife habitat by removing old fencing in Unit 5A near Houston Draw 
in the rim. Arizona elk need your help to remove old and worn down fences uh, out of our forest. Please consider joining us in Unit 5A to remove old fences and other junk from our forests. We will need help removing, stacking, hauling fence materials, and also need help with cooks and servers to make sure we all stay fed. Let's see, they're gonna provide a camp kitchen food and drinks for the weekend. Uh, let's see, there's some GPS coordinates here that I will I will refrain from repeating. But I will leave a link down below and an email to get registered for this event. It says, along with a group of volunteers, Arizona Elk Society will help support a scout project of the same scope. This project will help a local scout earn his Eagle Scout rank. The scout will plan, fundraise, and recruit for his, his portion of the project. That's cool. Scouting was a big part of my... My young life, uh, part I look back on fondly. Let's see, volunteer positions that are needed. They need ATV trailer hauling to and from the project site, loading and unloading uh, the trailer at camp, camp setup, camp breakdown, camp cook cooks, uh, camp, camp kitchen help, fence removal, carrying, staging, fence materials for disposal and possible rock structures. So if you are able-bodied at all, I feel like you could probably do most any of that. Uh, so please consider volunteering and look below for the links to do that. Then up from Southern Arizona Quail Forever, they're doing a scaled quail turtle survey. Uh, so it's the Arizona Game and Fish Department annual scaled quail flush count surveys will take place on Saturday, October 29th. So that's coming up right away. So don't waste any time getting signed up for this. Our base of operations will be at the Stockton Pass Campground located on US 266 East of Bonita. See directions below, obviously you won't, but I will definitely have a link for you. Friday night will be an opportunity to load GPS data, socialize and just hang out. This event was moved to late October for cooler temps and to reduce the risk of snake bite, snake bite for dogs. And I ran into a Mojave uh, just this past weekend, and fortunately, my pup—well, uh, fortunately, unfortunately—he was uh, he was in the truck with uh, he had uh, rubbed a pad off, so he he had to skip a day of hunting. But that was the day I ran into this uh, pretty little Mojave rattlesnake. He wasn't as excited to see me as I was to see him, but he crawled away to do a snake thing, and, and nobody nobody was harmed. But yeah, good day for the dog to be in the truck. So that is a real threat. Although this is during hunting season, this is not a hunting event. Sunset on Friday is 5.32 and sunrise is Saturday. Sunrise Saturday is 6.34. Southern Arizona Quail Forever will provide hot dogs and burgers for dinner on Friday. Bring your own drinks and a small side to share. Expect to hear lots of lies around the fire and maybe learn a little bit about quail and turtles. Oh, let's see. Uh, you're on your own for something to eat in the morning. We need volunteers with dogs to run routes and volunteers without dogs to walk the routes and assist with collecting data. We want to get an early start to prevent overheating the dogs and uh, and volunteers. If you can't make it Friday night, please be at the campground no later than 6.30 a.m. I will have the information for you to RSVP. Um, they asked that you do it by October 22nd. We're already past that, but I talked to these fellas and they said they'd still love to have you there. So just don't waste any time. Um, let them know you are, you'd like to come and you're willing to help out. Let's see, there are several treated and untreated pastures that we can run, so no one will be turned away, even if you don't RSVP. 
All right. So please look below for links and emails to uh, to get a sign up for all these great opportunities and go hang out with these great guys and gals. Uh, with that, I hope you enjoy this show about raising outdoorsy little children, and I will talk with you after. here today with Tim Hepworth. Um, from, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> from Alberta, Canada. And uh, I'll put it this way. If, if you hang around um, on social media and um, especially in the, in the sporting arena, hunting and angling arena, you probably know Tim. Um, but I'm going I'm to hand it over to you, Tim. And please tell us a little bit about yourself, um, about your daughter and family and, uh, you know, about how, how this, this thing that you, you've got blew up yeah for sure well uh, first off i appreciate you having me on today it's awesome to uh, connect with like-minded people and um yeah I'm, i mean other than that i guess i could just say yeah i'm tim hapworth i uh, born and raised in central alberta uh, canada and um yeah i'm a father i'm a paramedic and a fly fishing guide and avid hunter here in alberta and um yeah i got my got a little family just have uh, me my wife and my daughter ren and uh yeah i guess you could Kind of like you said, we have a, a social media account that, you know, started as just a way to kind of share our experiences with our family and people to connect around us. And it just kind of, yeah, I think people really attach to the idea of, you know, seeing this little girl in the outdoors doing stuff with her dad. And yeah, I mean, they, with no intention at all on our point, the, the account kind of quote unquote blew up a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, we had a a video a few years ago that was of, of Ren uh, on a mule deer hunt and this deer ran away and it was kind of a really, it, it took our account from like, you know, like 300 followers to like 10,000 overnight, which was very overwhelming. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I took that video around and showed it to everybody in my family last night. It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. oh, it's, awesome. it's, yeah. it's truly wonderful. <laughs> well, you know, whether you hunt or not, or whether, whether you have kids or not. Um, yeah. There's, that's just, your daughter's adorable. Um, and that, that's just the uh, cutest video in the world. But, so uh, yeah, yeah uh, for fun. folks that are wondering what we're talking about, I'll make sure and then leave a link to that down below. But um, I, I guarantee you probably, you probably already seen it. And when, once you see it again, you're like, oh yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, uh, you know, you and I, we, we share um, a commonality in the fact that we, we both play with our kids in the outdoors a lot. Um, and, you know, I, I like to, I like to tell folks that, you know, literally that that's why I wanted kids. And I didn't want kids for a long time. I came into the game pretty late. I think I was 37 uh, when my son was born and he's nine and my daughter is seven. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's, I, I have these, these little partners to play outside with, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And sometimes, I don't know, it's a little funny because I was putting in for, you know, we're down here in Arizona for spring turkey and spring javelina and also spring bison, but that never happens. But, um, as I'm putting in, this was the first year that my boy Fielding could could draw a big game tag. So I put him in too on like a, a, a partner application, and it was kind of bittersweet because on one hand I'm like, oh, this is so cool, and then on the other, because he's not have lean with me last three years in a row, but um, this year he gets to do it himself. But it occurred to me as I was doing it because I'm looking at these archery hunts and stuff, and I'm like, man, I'd like to do that, you know. And then it occurred to me, it's like, well, shit, <laughs> I, for, I'm, uh, for the next, you know, at least ten years, I'm 
directly tied to this kid and uh yeah i don't get to do anything that oh, yeah. i want just on my own anymore but that's okay it's a good problem to have though um but oh, yeah. about, uh tell us a little bit if you don't mind about you know how you know, there's so much area to cover here it's funny you know just I, I feel like this is something i could talk about for hours and hours and hours and i've wanted to do a podcast on raising little outdoorsy children for a long time and part of that comes from the fact that I got a lot of buddies uh, with little ones Mm -hmm. and they're terrified to take them out with them, Um, you know, without the assistance of mom um, or just the whole, I don't know, the uncertainty of being in the outdoors. Um, And I just, I don't get it because that is the best part of being a dad. And I I truly enjoy being a dad. Um, So I've been thinking about doing a podcast like this for a long time. And of course, you know, there's no, no better person to do it with than you. Um, but if you want me to tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of like your, how you guys started playing outside, your philosophy around it, that's that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, uh, I, I mean, I, I think I would have said I was exactly the same boat as you. I mean, I didn't start quite as late as you, but I, mm-hmm. I put off the idea of kids um, when we got married because I really, I don't know, I just didn't want, um, I felt like my life would be over. You know, you, everybody tells you if you have kids, it's done, you know, like all the things you love to do are gone. And I just didn't, you hear, you I didn't hear a lot of horror it, stories. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I was raised in a, in a fairly large home. I'm the youngest of nine children. And we were, uh, I mean, our family, we hunted and fished truly for sustenance and survival. And so it was maybe a little bit more of a, you have to do it when mm-hmm. I was growing up, but I love that. That's how I was raised. And I wanted that for Ren. But in the, you know, the sociocultural norm of our world today isn't kids being outdoors as much. And I just, I don't know, I have a very gracious wife who was, you know, I think she was a little nervous in the, in the early days. But um, the first things I really started doing with her was fly fishing. So I, you know, when she was probably about six months old, she was on, a, on my chest in a pack and I would, um, I would take her fishing. And for me, with my schedule being a paramedic, I had, you know, when I was gone to work, I was gone to work, but then I had like four day chunks off all the time. So as much as I was working full time, I was also kind of a single dad, um, Mm -hmm. not a single dad, but like a a dad at home able to parent her all the time. Um, and so it was a natural thing for me to go, well, I want to go do these things. So you're going to come with me. And maybe, I mean, she wasn't making the decision to go on the start, but I just knew that if I could keep her out there with me, that she would become, you know, desensitized to the, to the fact that maybe that's not where she should be or where, you know, where most other kids aren't. And I just, for me, it was a fairly easy transition. I mean, th- don't get me wrong. There was a lot of hard days where, you know, you drive an hour and a half to get to a spot and she's having a meltdown and that's it. Your day is over. You go home. But my philosophy always was that if, if I pushed her beyond what she could handle in a day in the outdoors, you know, I failed as a parent, you know, if, if she no longer wanted to be yeah. there, because then, you know, the next time I said, hey, let's go fishing, she's going to be like, oh, well, I don't want to go because last time she remembered it being too long or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's the, the tricks for me where, you know, lots of snacks, lots of food, <laughs> always having something for her there because those are just the natural things that her kids want. Yeah. Um, and nature is a playground. And a lot of people, I think, don't understand that, you know, video games, TV, you know, all these things that's what, you know, it's easy to stick your kids in front of that. But if you just plop them in the outdoors and allow them to learn from what's going on around them, um, you know, the conversations you can have around what you see in the outdoors is great learning opportunities. So as she grew, it was just a really easy thing to keep her out there because for her, 
she doesn't know any different now, but that's, it's a very natural place for her to exist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once she was of age where she was on her own two feet and moving a little easier, it was a lot easier to get her hunting. So, you know, around two ish, she was, you know, wearing the ear buffs out with me hunting all the time. And it started with just rifle hunting because it was very difficult to get her to stay quiet, obviously, um, doing bow hunting and such. And that came with time and as well, but I mean, really the philosophy for us, I think is, is simply this, like anytime you can keep your kid, you know, keep their screen time down, um, allow this amazing wilderness playground we have to show them things about life, to show them the difficult things, show them that death is real. Um, nature deals with that on a daily basis on its own, you know, that there's things to learn from this environment that we exist in, not just, not just the, you know, the, in the city, in the town, in your house. Um, I think it's just a very, it's a very lost thing in our society right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, a wonderful way um, to just show, show kids what's, you know, what the basics of life really are. And I mean, selfishly, I want to be out there. That's how I was raised. That's how I love hunting, fishing. I want to be outside all the time. And my wife is a very outdoorsy person too, and hikes and runs outside all these things. And so I know for Ren and her life, that is what her life will be. And I hope that she holds on to that. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, as a parent, there's nothing better I think that we could do for our kids is allow them this time um, to just exist in another world. Because for them, you know, they go to school, that's a world for them. You know, there's a house life that's a world for them, but they have a lot more autonomy in their life when they're in the woods. You know, they can make some decisions for themselves as simple as, you know, hey, hey, Red, why don't you lead us to this next spot here in the woods mm-hmm. and let her pick a trail? You know, that's that's something that means something to a child when they get to show leadership. And like, there's so many things that, you know, they can learn. Right. And yeah, I think it's, sorry, it's a great opportunity to show. Them. No, I, uh, you know, my ideologies and philosophies, you know, obviously parallel, parallel yours. But but I will I'll say this that uh, it sounds like you did it the correct way. Um, I, I didn't necessarily do it that way, but and I, I think the way I did it was wrong. Um, I just got lucky in the end. But I you know I would basically just drag my kids with me. Um, you know since they were infants, uh, my little boy was six weeks old. You know when we took him on his first wilderness trip, uh, backpacking trip uh, mm-hmm. with my wife. Um, but you know, for us, we're, we're both pretty comfortable in the back country and that I know that's realized that's not the same for everybody and having a brand new baby, especially the first one's pretty scary thing. But yeah. the way I saw it is, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of long backpacking trips and, you know, I've always been comfortable. Nothing ever bad's happened. Uh, and as long as, you know, I had mom there, you know, our baby had everything it needed. Um, so I could carry him on the front and mm-hmm. pack on my back and, uh, you know, and, and mom had all the food necessary. So, you know, we could just go and go and go. Mm-hmm. And that first trip was great. Um, and I've literally been dragging him and then my daughter around ever since. And I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't do the thing where I kept the trip short. I made sure they were action packed um, and always exciting. Uh, we just, you know, we, we, I drug them around and it wasn't always easy all day long slogs, yeah. you know, looking for quail and, um, you know, long paddle trips, but I, I got lucky because my boy, he seems to have a very natural prey drive because um, okay. he can fish all day long, not get a bite. And I still have to drag him back to the truck in the dark. Um, my little girl, while she doesn't care at all about pursuing game and fish, 
Um, she, you know, she's just, she grew up this way. She's gotten used to it. She's all about sparkles and kitty cats and pink things, but she's more durable than most grown men when it comes to being outdoors, sleeping on the ground, um, dealing with inclement weather. Um, and I am very, very proud of both of them, uh, for that. And they're, they're normal yeah. kids. Don't get me wrong. My, my little boy wants video games and it's, it's a battle I keep fighting. I'm probably going to lose at some point, but yeah. I think uh, I think the odds are, are kind of stacked in our favor um, as dads who who want to spend time uh, playing outside with our children. Um, let's see, Ed Edward Wilson, um, a, a famous ecologist and a favorite of mine, he coined a term biophilia, and biophilia basically just states that people have a natural connection to the outdoors. And so, an example of that is if you have a room full of kids playing video games. Um, and, you know, they're, they're entrenched in these games. But if you come into that room and you, you plop a frog or a puppy on the table in the middle of that room, there's not a kid in the room that's still going to be looking at the video game. Um, they have a natural attraction right. to wildlife and natural things. So so it's already there. Um, I think it's already there in all children, uh, but it, it needs to be exposed. And I think there's also something to say for, you know, you can't just take a kid who's used to a climate controlled room. Um, you know, and live that way for years. And then all of a sudden, you know, throw them in the outdoors. Like I said, I, I did it. I started them really young. So they, they never knew any different. So I think probably mm -hmm. that, you know, incremental, uh, careful approach would be more important. Uh, you know, if, if you're starting a little bit later in the game, maybe. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a huge, a huge part. And a lot of people ask me that still is like, well, my, my, my kid's six years old. How do I start now? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, honestly, I, I, I can't say that I have any experience in it because I don't. But at the same time, you can't take a child who's, like you said, very used to one environment and just throw them into the other. You got to bridge it. You got to take some time and understand that, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a little bit of time mm -hmm. and you have to just be comfortable with that fact. And I think any, I truly believe though, I like, I believe that most kids inherently do want to be outside. I think that the way we've we've raised our children for the last, you know, maybe 30 years has has made a lot of changes and you know as technology has increased and all those things are great things in moderation. Um I mean like you said Ren still would love to sit in front of the TV and watch a show but at the end of the day it's like if I say hey let's go do something she's game. Yeah. You know, yeah. she wants to. She's excited to go do those things and if if that's the case for you and you can create that situation that is that's a win as a parent. And we don't need them to, like, I don't need her to want to be out there every second of every day. But when I want to go do something or she wants to go do something, I know that we can go do it. Right. And right. it's 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 a key factor, I think, in just helping those kids understand that, you know, there is more to life than sitting in here and sitting inside and sitting in a coffee shop and being on the Internet and all those things. It's it. Those are all OK things. There's nothing wrong with that. But. And uh, all things in moderation, except the outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like that philosophy. That's good. I, uh, you know, I, I, while I very much consider you and I very, very lucky people, you know, that are just living the good life. Um, 
and yeah. and I enjoy I uh, literally enjoy being a father more than anything I've ever done. Um, and I've done I've been very fortunate in my life to do a lot of cool things. You know, I've done had a lot of great adventures. Mm. But man, being a dad is great. Um, and maybe it's because I waited a little longer and I, I got to do a lot of adventures first. And and we're still doing adventures. We're going to Costa Rica um, next month. And oh really? While it's oh, a family trip. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a family. We're going to see the Arabada, which is a. Uh, uh, a mass kind of uh, nesting migration of Ridley sea turtles. And it's, it's oh, super man. interesting because nobody even knew, knew where they nested until like the eighties. Oh, wow. Because um, cool. most other sea turtles are like spread out, you know, um, but these guys are all just go to like one or two spots. Um, right. It's just mass movement. So if you, if you time it right, there's like thousands of turtles on the beach oh, and they're wow. coming up and laying eggs while eggs are hatching. And those babies are going back out to the ocean. So oh, um, my cool. wife has seen it. I've never seen it, but, she always want to take the kids back to to see that, and I'm interested that you can go to like the little uh, oh I forget what they call the little kitchens, the sodas. Um, uh, like soda and shots, yeah, yeah. You, you can, you can, yeah, yeah, you can eat turtle eggs. Oh, um, so I'm pretty excited about it. Which sounds might sound <laughs> bad yeah. to some people, but but the, it's it's that whole like oh, I forget what it's called, habitat or environment swamping, where the idea is there are so many. They overwhelm the environment. Um, that way, the predators can come and get their fill, um, and there's still plenty to, you know, contribute to the next generation. So, yeah. So it's it's an okay thing to do, you know, especially <laughs> yeah. uh, you know if you if you do it correctly. But anyway, on that trip, it's a family trip. My wife yeah. has made that very clear because I push my agenda a lot with angling pursuits. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, she's given me three days to fish. Two nice. of those I'm going to take and try to get a tarpon on the fly, which is oh, a 200-pound fish that's like hundreds of uh, miles from the coast living in these small jungle rivers. Oh, uh, so it's just this cra- crazy thing. But anyway, can't wait to do that. And then on uh, my third day, I'm going to take the boy, and uh, we're going to find a small stream to fly fish from a jaca. Oh, that's so, so cool, dude. Uh, pretty that exciting trip. And I, I've now, now I've lost my my place because i was i was excited about that trip. Um, i think what i was going to talk about is or ask you about is while this is also wonderful and, and i'm singing the praises of having kids and playing with them outside it's not all easy um you know no. as a fly fisherman it takes a lot of patience man um you spend more time you know tying on flies and untangling them from tree branches and then you really do fishing um so can you speak to some of the difficulties you you and Ren have have experienced? And oh, I'll add, I noticed you have a GSP as well. Yeah, yeah, we do um, that too, and, and we do as well. And you know, GSPs are while ours is the most loving, best family dog, you know, Velcro dog in the world. Um, he's a mentally exhausting animal. So to wrangle <laughs> him on the stream, <laughs> to wrangle, you know, it's gotten good. He knows when we're fishing. You sit, you stay until I, I, you know, call you to me. But, yeah. um, you know, that dog, he's always pushing his boundaries. And if he gets an inch, he's going to take a mile. Oh, yeah. But so wrangling him and a child on a small trout stream with overhanging branches is, is <laughs> a lesson in patience. Uh, how, how do you navigate some of that stuff? Oh, man, it's, I guess, it, you know, it, it is exactly like you said. Those are challenges. Uh, there are so many challenges in doing what we do. Um, and we don't do it because it's easy. We do it because it's the it's the right thing to do. And like I said, kind of mentioned earlier, there's lots of days that I drove a long ways to a river, hiked in, meltdowns. Okay, we turn around, we go home. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of that. And I mean, that's a struggle. You know, there's a struggle of, well, at what point do you push your child far enough to have, you know, to build some character, to persevere through a day, to have a tough experience and stay mm-hmm. out. 
versus just pop it in and going, you know, there is, there has to be a balance between those two things. I mean, yeah, I mean, in fly fishing, I think in fly fishing has been a really incredible journey for Ren. Um, I think she got super lucky early. Uh, She, I mean, I didn't teach her a lot in fly fishing, to be honest about like, you know, the casting and the setting and all that. She just watched, you know, she spent literally a couple of years watching. And I mean, it all started for us with she loved bugs and we'd flip rocks for hours. And that was how I tied her excitement to the river. And then we kind of taught backwards. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, these are the bugs we're seeing in this stage, to this stage, to this stage. And this is what dad's using to catch these fish. It's, It's these bugs in different stages of their life. And, you know, the struggles were like, how do you bridge your child from watching you do something to allowing them to do it? Because there's always going to be this, I mean, risk versus reward. You have to put your kids into some controlled, dangerous situations, right? So, and Mm -hmm. I, I, I've taken a lot of flack through, and that's been a whole journey for us, even in social media is because you have a lot of eyes on you all the time. There's a lot of scrutiny all the time. And, you know, people more, you know, even getting like huge threats about this and that, and you're putting your kid in such unsafe situations and, all these things and I, I don't have that problem because I don't have 12,000 followers but I, I can I can imagine your situation though yeah I mean sometimes it's just it's just a hard thing to navigate because you do it, you have to put your child in situations where you're testing a little bit of the bounce I mean but you got to yeah. do it in the safest manner possible does she she's grown up mm-hmm. on a boat but she's also grown up with a life jacket on you know like there's there's things yeah. there's things you have to do to mitigate risk but still allow them to enjoy sure. it and I mean, every day yeah. it was, is a different journey with a child and there is struggles, man. Like, I mean, even still, you know, we were on, um, just like, yeah, was it two days ago? We were out for a, a friend's birthday party on the river. We went for a birthday float. We always do here in October. And, uh, yeah, we were, I was just blown away watching her fish. You know, she'd fished uh, a few times on off the boat this year. She caught her first fish on that specific river this summer on the bow river here in Calgary. It's, it's mm-hmm. not an easy fishery. And just watching her and, and seeing her, you know, I don't untangle her lines right away. I let her try. I realize she's probably never going to do it. But to be honest, she's not uh-huh. so good at taking out her own knots. It's like, so you, you have to let those struggles exist. And if when it's too hard and they're going to get frustrated, then you assist. But allowing those yeah. challenges to teach them something. And then, hey, maybe I won't do that stupid cast again because it caused this mess that I created. And if I just let it be, it'll be better next time. You know, and it's it's teaching yeah. them those things because those struggles. I mean, yeah, we un- I t- have lost a lot of flies and tied a lot of flies on that got broke off, and mm-hmm. those are all okay. But you know, you got to allow them to to learn from those mistakes and also just you know try to get out of them on their own. And I don't know, man. I I think that those those again are just teaching moments that we can use to help our kids persevere. I think a lot of our our world, the schools, the everyone has allowed kids off pretty easy. Um, and I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon. So I think it falls a lot more on us as parents to, you know, although those might make harder times for us and struggles for us, we have to teach them through those instances because, you know, a lot of times it's just, it's that whole kind of their generation and our kids growing up and it's just to, well, if it's too hard right. just try try something else. It's like, no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My my boss had, had made a comment to me once that stuck with me, and he's like, you know, when you're trying to like figure out if things are the way they are, or if it's your own observational bias. We were talking. He's like, you know, 
my dad was tougher than me and his dad was tougher than him and I'm tougher than my kids. Um, mm-hmm. So it does, it does appear that we're kind of going in that direction and, you know, who, who knows how long and nothing stays the same, but no, um, I'll give an example of, of, you know, a, a good lesson learned uh, with my son. And, and I, I, I keep referring to my son and, and don't, don't misunderstand me. My daughter gets just as much attention. It's just that again, he has that prey drive. Yeah. So, and he's older. So we tend, we tend to, we tend to have more stories, I guess. Yeah. But on the first Havelina hunt he did, he was just a little guy. Um, we had, and, and it was a one day hunt. We were, you know, we were successful on our first day. So, you know, to awesome. any other, you know, hunter's perspective, you know, it doesn't seem like slog, but to a little dude like that, we hiked all day long up and down the mountains. And finally, uh, you know, we were kind of working our way back to camp just so we didn't have to hike hours in the dark. And um, right before dark, you know, and he, he's clearly, you know, tired. He wants to get back, eat some mac and cheese, you know, camp, mm-hmm. just have fun. But as we're getting back, um, you know, we, we spot, we spot a squadron, a group of Havelinas called a squadron. We caught, spot a squadron up on, on this mountainside and they saw us, um, our smeltus, but they knew we were there. So I'm like, oh, buddy, you know, this is it. We got to move fast, though. It's getting dark or we're not going to have enough light to shoot. And I go, well, we're going to head up this mountain and I want you on my tail the entire time because I'm going to start calling them. And when you call them, they come in all tusks and snapping and running around. I mean, they'll, they'll they can, you know, literally run into you and knock you over. So I'm like, I want you right behind me this entire time. Mm-hmm. And that little dude, he, he stayed on my butt the entire way up that mountain. And I mean, and we were moving fast. Yeah. And get up there. And of course we start calling and Havelina are just going crazy. Um, and, uh, it, it's a, it really is a neat experience. And I'm, oh, I'm yeah. assuming, you know, you have, have an experience that where you no, love, but, you know, when not. you call them, the, the idea is you, you sound like a, like a juvenile in distress oh, and okay. the, the whole squadron, they just go crazy. They get their hackles up and they're running around and, and vocalizing and snapping their jaws. Um, but uh, so it can be pretty, pretty intense. Um, you got to witness all that. And ended up harvesting, uh, harvesting Havelina that night, and, you know, had about a two hour pack out in the dark after that. So oh, it, was, wow. it, it taught him and it's a lesson that has stayed with him, you know, all these years that it can all turn around like that if you just put in the work, you know, yeah. and there's been plenty of times it didn't turn out for us. So, you know, yeah. he's got this whole spectrum, but, but he, he earned, uh, he learned an appreciation for hard work and the way it can all come together. Uh, so oh, that was yeah. a really great kind of first, you know, quote, big game hunt for us. Yeah. No, it's, it's, that's incredible, man. That's, those are just the things that, I mean, our kids are gonna, are gonna remember forever is that, is that experience. Cause not only did they have a lot to learn, they got to do it with you, which is, I mean, right. as much as we love right. spending time with them, you know, as a, as being a child yourself at one point that you enjoyed experiences with people that loved you. And I mean, how do you not, how do they not hold on to that in the future? Um, it, it's something that's an incredible thing to give your child and for them to give you really. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I yeah. And in, in the light of that hunt, I just told you about, um, uh, I can't, I, I gotta mention that, that fantastic moose hunt you and Ren had, I was oh, yeah. around on your page last night and oh my gosh. I just, you know, first off, just taking, taking a bull moose with archery equipment just seems a million miles away for me. You know? um, and <laughs> yeah. literally, literally it almost is. But even the opportunity is, is just, you know, maybe uh, someday, but, um, but then to get to do it with your daughter. Wow. You know, how, how cool was that? And that was just great video too. Oh man. I so just... I guess, 
was was she sitting in a blind while, while you were outside of it? Is that well, how, I, I kind of yeah, I kind of explain a little bit how the how those hunts work. Um, you know, moose with archery equipment is is a very attainable big animal for one reason, and that's because our rut for the moose falls during archery season, and they mm-hmm. are a very like how they come in is you're you're it's a cat and mouse game of calling. You sometimes are acting like an aggressive bull trying to steal his ladies, or you're acting like a female who's ready to breed. And um, in that video, what you're seeing is uh, I had a great buddy who was there. He basically helped us on this entire hunt. Um, and, I'll, and I'll make mention to that in a moment too, but um, about your tribe, because it makes a big difference with raising a child as well. But she was she was behind a blind, or not a blind, a actual decoy. So we had this decoy that's like an umbrella, and it was look, it was a decoy of a little bull moose. So this when we started calling this bull and we took about 45 minutes to get him to commit to the call. Um, he started working his way across this muskeg. And when he steps out from me, you can see me in front. I'm maybe 10 yards from that bull and she's maybe 15. Yeah. And that bull comes right out. And he, my buddy's calling, she's right behind him watching this bull moose come out, you know? And I mean, the entire experience was, was really good for a lot of reasons and, and very much parallels what you just said is, you know, we worked all week for that moose. The rut wasn't on. We put on so many miles. We did lots of calling, all these things with no success, like literally like four or five days of that before we, in the last two days of the hunt, the rut kicked in, bull started showing up and it happened. Um, and so it showed a lot of, for her, like she was getting frustrated. And to be honest, when we first started the first calling session, she, I didn't know how she was going to handle it because the thought of you're calling in a big creature to you, that's a scary thing for a kid. And she was, you know, in tears the first time, like just crying. And I was really struggling to console her because I was like, "Bud, this is what we're here for. Um, you know, this is this is what we want is for that to come in. And, you know, speaking to this tribe, you know, I have a very strong group of friends that are, you know, have been so amazing and that they they're not only just good friends, but they understand that when I go do things now, Ren's coming. And they accommodate her yep. in any way they can. They make it doable. Um, but I'll That's never forget great. this this conversation this friend had with her. And, and this can be applied to so many situations. But he just said, listen, Ren, like, there's two types of being, there's two types of fear. There's fear of something bad and there's fear of something you don't know yet. He said, you, mm-hmm. you fear someone who's trying to chase you with a knife. That's something you should fear. But when it comes to something like this, you're just scared because you don't know what's going to happen yet. It's something you haven't experienced in life yet. But we're telling you we're going to keep you safe. And after this conversation, she settled down a lot. You know, we had some good calling sessions. The day before I shot my bull, we called in a little bull to like from 200 yards away, straight across an open green field, ran all the way to us. And she was, she, I mean, my buddy Dallas videoed her. She looks back and she just says, this is the coolest thing ever. Like it, it clicked uh-huh. for her. She, she got to understand that she didn't need to fear the situation. Yeah. She got to be excited for it. So when it all came to that morning in this hunt, you know, we knew the bull was there. We could hear the cows calling that he had already. And we drew him away from there. And I mean, this bull walks out in front of us. You know, I had a good shot, which I'm thrilled for. The moose literally ran maybe another 30 yards onto the field, stood there. And we all watched it fall over together. Um, and to run over to her, and wow. oh man, it makes me emotional. But to run over to her and give her a hug and just see the excitement in her eyes and to know what that work meant to her because she was part of the whole thing. And what an incredible experience to share, you know, and 
you know, there's a lot of people, <clears throat> a lot of people who even in that post that I made on, made on social media, kind of showing the experience where, you know, there's so much hate on hunting and I, you know, death and uh-huh. this and that. And it's like, no, I, I lean into that so hard because death is a part of life and harvesting animals is a part of life. And, you know, that fills our freezer. Mm-hmm. We're not trophy hunters. We're here to, we're here to, you know, support our family and that can help feed my family and yeah. my parents and my, you know, that, that animal served a huge purpose for us. And right. I mean, what an experience, like truly. Yeah. It was awesome. I, I, I can't, I mean, I guess I can imagine, but yeah. Wow. Um, well that, that leads to like two things that I want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. One is, you know, that, that communication of life and death and, and how it all works. And, and two, um, the, uh, some of the difficulties you've had on social media, cause I'm sure you have a lot. Uh, and, and I'll, I'll put it like, you know, the boy and I, we've been out enough that, we've experienced situations where things didn't go exactly the way you wanted. You didn't get that super quick, clean kill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and well, yeah, I'll give one example. Just last year, he took his first squirrel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. A big Abert's tassel eared squirrel. And he, uh, he was shooting iron sights on his brand new 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and he shot it in the belly. So falls out of the tree. And of course, mom and, and daughter are there too. And so it's like, oh, this is not what I want. You know, this is, you want something, to, you want the perfect scenario. Mm-hmm. But so I, I had to pick that squirrel up and, and give it a whack on the head to finish it. Um, but, you know, while, while I don't want that, it also does present you with the opportunity to talk about these things mm-hmm. um, and, and talk about how to handle them and, and, you know, how it doesn't always work out correctly. And what, another thing that I, I I struggle with that I'd like to have your, your thoughts on are, you know, we don't take killing things lightly. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we're a family that we, we eat what we kill. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't apply that same logic to everyone. You know, people hunt for different reasons and I respect that. But for us, this is how we do it. We don't shoot things that we don't eat. Mm-hmm. Um, although with that said, my little boy really wants to eat a coyote. And I'm like, man, I don't know. Maybe someday we'll get adventurous, but, um, but yeah, one thing that I find myself, the more we hunt together, the more we do this stuff together, you know, you, things become easier for you as an adult. You know, I've, I've killed thousands of things, you know, in my life. Um, and it doesn't mean that I don't respect life. I absolutely acknowledge the fact that we're taking the life of a living thing that doesn't want to necessarily give it to you. Um, and I try to instill that in my kids that, you know, we need to be you know, respectful, um, you know, and, and always keep in, in our minds that, you know, this is a, this is a living thing and this is a big deal that we just took his life. But I find myself sometimes forgetting that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, we'll, we'll shoot something and, you know, do some high fives, big smiles, some pictures. And then I realize later, it's like, man, we didn't even talk about the fact that we just killed something. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so what, what are your thoughts on it? How do you approach the whole killing of an animal, taking life with your daughter, um, and I believe me, I realize it's a very natural thing, so you don't need to, need to have an explanation, but I'm just curious about how, how you go about that. Yeah, it, it's, it isn't an easy thing, man, especially when, cause you, you don't, you truly don't want it to be super normal for them. Like you want them to acknowledge yeah. the fact that this is something that's very real. Um, and that they're taking a life comes with responsibility and it's not something that mm-hmm. just, you just do willy nilly, right? It's not like you just go out there and shoot something to shoot it. I mean, there, like you said, there's lots of different re- reasons to take life of an animal, but it's, 
you know, there is, there's an importance behind it. And, you know, like I was raised in a very um, conservative Christian home. So the way that it was handled for me when I was growing up is we always took a moment to say a prayer over the animal and we're thankful for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was something that, um, although maybe I didn't carry that on with Ren in the exact same fashion, we take our moment of respect and we take our moment to just, you know, approach that animal once it's expired. And just, we do, we normally say a few words of like, you know, thanking it for its life and the graciousness of what understanding what it gave so that we can live. Um, yeah. and it's, I mean, death is not an easy thing to, to deal with. And I, that was a big fear for me with her when she was really young, because at three, four years old, you know, yeah, she's in there. It's cool. She's in the gut pile and she's what's this and what's that and digging around. And it's like, but understand that Mm -hmm. this isn't just normal. Like this is something that comes with again, responsibility and understanding that while we take a life, there is meaning in that. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's reasons why we do, but there's meaning behind it and don't become so, you know, just so easygoing with the fact that that's what happened. Um, I mean, and I parallel that to, you know, my job, I'm a paramedic. I've seen thousands of dead people. I mean, that's, that's not normal for people. Right. But it's because when it, when that becomes too normal for a practitioner, that's when it's time to get out because, you know, these things, whether you start them when they're two years old, whether they're 10 years old, um, you know, these are conversations that have to happen. And I think, something that's really assisted with me, my wife and Ren together as a family is we don't hide anything from her. We have conversations, sometimes Mm -hmm. tough ones, but communication is key in all things. Talk about what's going on. Talk about why your kitty cat ran away and isn't coming back and probably isn't coming back. Be real with them because grieving is also part of, of life for these children and loss is important. Mm -hmm. And these are all things that teach them. And these are all experiences in which we can teach them. Um, that these are real, this is real, like life, death, living, you know, all these things are, are what she's going to see for the rest of her life. So why not be honest, communicate those things to them? I think some people are scared to right. do that, but I think it's important. Man, Tim, I don't think you could say it better. Um, and, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think, you know, whether it's the difficulty of, you know, waiting out a rainstorm being cold and wet or just sleeping on a hard, rocky ground, or if it's, you know, the emotional hardships. Um, I, I think, and I approach parenting the same way. We're very open with our kids, um, probably to a fault in some cases. Yeah. But, uh, they, uh, well, you know, for instance, foul language. Um, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I talk how I want to talk in my uh, home, but my, my philosophy is, my kids don't go to school and cuss, you know, they're really good kids. They know what's appropriate and what's not because they've learned that. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I don't have to worry about that stuff with them, but I'm sure folks would disagree with me and they could be right. <laughs> but yeah, that, I think, you know, allowing them to learn those lessons, learn some hardship, learn some heartbreak um, before they become young adults and figuring it out on their own is so important for children. Yeah. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, I think a lot of people protect their children from that. Um, and then they're scared to approach those situations. But man, I think it's vital. I think it's so important to, you know, the overall health of, of a, a young adult, you know, mm-hmm. to have those experiences. No, I couldn't uh, agree with you more. So, uh, so you meant, you talked about right, poking around in the gut pile and my kids have always been fascinated by that. It's almost mm-hmm. it's always like a little anatomy lesson, a biology <laughs> lesson. We talked about how those same parts relate to you and, and relationships and stuff like that. Totally. But, yeah. um, 
I will say one thing that I'm very proud of my kids. I mean, I have friends whose wives, you know, refuse to eat game they bring home. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, that would break my heart. You know, <laughs> I'm very yeah. lucky. Uh, but I, th- I take a great deal of care in, in, you know, taking care of that animal in the field, uh, taking care of that meat, doing a very good job processing. Everything's clean. Um, you know, and I get it cold as quick as possible. It's something that I, is very important to me. Um, so, yeah. you know, the end product of that, and I enjoy cooking. I enjoy it a lot. So the end product is usually pretty dang good. And uh, I'm fortunate to have a family that, that enjoys all of that and would prefer wild meat over anything else. Um, and my kids specifically, that's so normal for them. You know, when they see, you know, a, a, an animal being processed and the blood and gore that comes with it, they see food. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. But I mean, they'll even like fight over who gets the hearts and livers from squirrels, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty great. And it's something I'm very proud of. Um, not, a, not everybody has that, but how, how, how does Ren, I mean, are well, they, it's, it's how does she circle, approach right? the whole eating of animals? Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's full circle, like you said, right? I mean, you, if you just, I mean, we can't use everything from an animal, correct? I mean, there's, there's some things that are right. going to, are going to waste, but there, there's an acceptable loss in, in, in that waste. And I think that, I love what you said about the biology side of things because we're, you know, my wife works in the medical field. I do too. Like from the very first time we ever, ever harvested an animal with Ren, it was, it was fun to pull it out, kind of talk to her about it, show her what the organs are. Cause you know, we'd always kind of communicated like, yeah, you have a heart that pumps blood, you have lungs that allow you to breathe. Like all these things where you can just, um, you just talk about, just be open and, and show that, you know, that is also, I mean, because you're right, gore is a great word for it. It is. For, for well, think about if you took an average child out of somewhere in school and brought them on a hunt and showed them that. Like, that would oh be. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They would be, that would probably Tra- be, that was tra- traumatizing for them, right? I mean, because they've never been in that environment. I think it's important to to show that to them if they're used, you know, if they're semi-used to it and, and bridge them into the idea of using it as a learning experience, not a shocking experience of, oh, what is all that? And I mean. It's literally right, what you have inside right. of you as well. So you, you use that to teach. And, and Ren's always been super in there. She likes she likes to, I mean, she really loves skinning. Like she, you know, I've allowed her to under mm-hmm. supervision, again, acceptable risk, showing her how to use a knife, um, oh, helping yeah. her skin animals. I mean, she's never actually gutted an animal, but she's she loves skinning and she loves being right in there and kind of seeing that that process. I mean, she's got her hands mm-hmm. in there. They got pile and bloody and helping pull out and stuff. But right, she just how old is Ren right now? Guys, she's six currently, almost seven. Six. But she's six right. right now. Yeah. And how about your kids? Uh, like seven to nine. My girl's seven. My boy's nine. Which yeah, he's turning ten next month. But oh yeah, yep. that's awesome. And well, one of the cool things we talked about the difficulties earlier, but of fly fishing. But every year it gets easier and easier and he gets better and better and better. So it's really neat to see it happen on such a fast scale and see progress, but it's very rewarding. And I, I'll tell you this, I, I don't know how, how much fly tying you guys do, but my little boy loves to tie flies, oh, which yeah. is a great thing, except that he uses up all my expensive stuff, making these like monstrosity <laughs> flies. That, I mean, they're, they're awesome, you know, and he, he does a great job, but it's like, he'll get an idea in his head and, yeah, next thing you know, it's like all my good stuff is gone. Yeah. All expensive UV stuff. But, oh, yeah, um, of course. Yeah, it's a, it's a struggle. It's a good struggle, though, and I'm lucky to have it. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I wanted to, to go back uh, just a little bit and ask you again about, cause, just because I think it's interesting, uh, some of the difficulties you've had with such a large amount of followers on Instagram and how you kind of navigate mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that it took me a while because I, we were really thrown into this. Right. And, and there's been me and my wife have had many <laughs> conversations about, is this even what we want? Like I'm, I'm literally putting our life on a bit of a stage here for people to see. And with that comes a lot of responsibility. And it also, I mean, there's things that we don't know as parents how to really navigate yet. And I mean, yes, there's been struggles. There's been, there's been some things that I'm just like, you know, when that first initial kind of that little video we talked about really went quite viral in a very short period of time, that, that was the first time we really encountered a lot of hate, a lot of like, you know, your kid's obviously miserable or her nose is running about like, yeah, she's a kid in the outdoors. Like that, that <laughs> happens. But we took so much flack at the start there that I was like ready to just shut the account down. Like, this is not what we did this wow. for. I don't want to have this experience. But then I just realized, you know what? I, I'm not going to satisfy everyone. And what I have right. done is I'll say this. I mean, that we a lot of people try to approach to oh we could make your account a hundred thousand followers I'm like I do not want a hundred thousand followers like that's not the point mm-hmm. the point is having the right followers because I want like-minded people who understand why we do what we do and yeah <clears throat> it was very interesting actually on that that post from the moose somebody uh, made a comment and just said oh I'm really disappointed in this I'm gonna have to unfollow you guys I, I can't believe that this is what you would do. And like, and she made some comments like I trophy hunters. I don't like all on and on and on. Well, I didn't have to say a word. I sat back and watched my followers just educate her. And I mean, they were, some of them were abrasive and defensive, but at the end of the day, they just educated her on the fact that if you know anything about these people, they are not trophy hunters. That's not why they do what they do. Um, They also just gave some education on why we do what we do. And it was really cool because I got to see the hard work on my end has been this negative comments, negative things come from people. It's as simple as this block, delete. I never see that person again. Mm-hmm. It's, you're curating your people. I want the people to be there to enjoy and to learn and to like, I want, I want other kids to experience the outdoors because of what we do. Parents go, Hey, you know, this isn't as hard as maybe I thought it would be. I think I could do that too. You know, that's the, that's our mm-hmm. true why is to inspire others to do this. So we keep, we just keep, you know, every time something comes up or like, I don't just accept, I don't like anyone can follow us, but the first time something happens or I don't feel comfortable with the, the comments or whatever, it's just with respect, you no longer have the right to view what we do because it's right. just not, it's not, um, I, I don't want, I don't want that, you know, I don't want that for, yep. for myself. Cause that's that's a very stressful thing to deal with all the time. And I know that I can't please everybody. You know, I'm, I'm giving you a bit of what we do as we do it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not curating what I do for your feelings. Yeah. So <clears throat> if you don't want to be part of this, then that's okay. Cause I'm, I'm not for everybody. I know that. And you're probably not for everybody. Gotcha. Either. It's, it's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I make no, no excuses for enjoying social media, at least Instagram. Um, at least I used to before it all changed. But it, for me, it, it's always, it just extends the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, same as cooking and processing. I enjoy all of it. Um, and it, you know, to be able to share those photos with, with people that enjoy this stuff just extends the whole experience for me. And I really enjoy it. Oh, um, with that said though, I, uh, uh, I, I want to be respectful of your time. And I assume that alarm going off meant the time is coming up. <laughs> but, um, okay. so my, my whole idea here is, uh, with this podcast, and I, and I don't know, I don't think that I've done a really good job of navigating it in that direction. 
but it would hopefully it's been helpful for folks. I want, I, I want, you know, those, those moms and dads who are a little uh, intimidated uh, by taking their kids out in the field and having these experiences with them, um, you know, to not, not be so. I want them to, because I, I mean, this is a great lifestyle that I enjoy very much. It's been very valuable to my kids and I want other people to have that too. Um, so with, with that in mind, uh, you got any, any last, last tips that you would, you would provide to those folks that are maybe a little unsure about all this? Yeah, you know, I, guys, I would just say, just go try. Don't don't let your mm-hmm. your fears, um, you know, block the opportunity um, that your kids should have to go and experience some of these things. Start small. Um, don't overdo it. You know, allow your kids to to want to be out there in the outdoors with you. The harder you push, um, sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's not always beneficial. So just be just be mindful of your child. You know them better than anyone else. But give them these experiences. And at the end of the day, you know, people like Mike and me, we're here for you guys. And I, I can't speak for you, but I know for me, um, one of my biggest pleasures is helping people um, and helping them navigate it and, and, and that sort of thing. So if you need help, reach out. That's what we're here for. So um, we're just parents trying to help and lead and guide and inspire. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, give your kids that opportunity. Awesome. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, that's good advice. I appreciate that you're saying that. And, you know, I'll, I'll add one final thing on my end. And that's my, my goal is not to create little hunters and anglers. Um, that's not my goal at all. My, my goal, my, my kids can grow up to be whatever they want. The only, uh, the only mandatory thing I have for them is they have to appreciate wildlife and wild places. That's it. Um, they, they can be photographers. They can be botanists. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> care. I just want them to appreciate wild places. So, so, and they can, they can also spread that out to others. And then there's people that are going to be around to protect these places. So, so that's yeah, my goal anyway. But and if they turn out to be little hunting partners, that's great too. So, no, I think that's a great way of putting it. Create a conservationist. That's all. Well, that's the only goal. <clears throat> right. Right. All right, Tim, man, I, I want to thank you so much uh, for taking time this morning and talking with me. I, I want to thank you for, for what you do on social media. Um, I'm sure it's not always easy. I'm sure it's not always great. I'm sure it's fun, too. But, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're doing things right, in my opinion. Um, and and I, I just I think it's wonderful. And if you and Ren ever make it to Arizona, me and my kids would love to show you. <laughs> well, that goes for Alberta, too, anytime. All right. Right on, Tim. Uh, appreciate it, man. Well, take care and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks again, man. Uh, I will. You too. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. Hanging out in the outdoors with my kids is just, uh, man, I live for it. Uh, and I'm a selfish guy. I, uh, I enjoy going out on my own, but you know, there's something about pursuing these activities with your children that just adds a whole new another layer of satisfaction even if it can be a little difficult at times um i enjoy it uh we we me and my kids we we have lots and lots of great adventures uh with my with mom too with the wife they're they're just good little durable outdoorsy children and i could not be more proud of them and uh yeah i'm I'm sure you all are proud of your kids as well and and regardless of you know how often you get outside with them um but I do recommend if, if it's something you've been timid about or something that, you know, you, you regularly find excuses not to do, cut that out. Uh, cut it out. Get them outside. That's where kids are supposed to be. That's where they belong. Man, it, it's satisfying. It's satisfying for them. It's satisfying for you. Yeah, I, I recommend it. 
With that, this is the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast brought to you by the Arizona Wildlife Federation. Um, I've said it before, I am fiercely proud of this organization. Um, We are a pragmatic and science-based organization that works on behalf of wildlife, wildlife habitat, and public lands and access to those public lands here in Arizona. Uh, you know, we're, we're always fighting these fights um, and, and we're in it because we care about it. So if you would like to support us, um, that, that would very much be appreciated. You'd be supporting a good organization. So you can get a hold of, of me and find out how at podcast at azwildlife.org. Thank you. And we'll see you again in two weeks.